0: Funny how everything seems to be tying up this evening, even, even in the Word, and, and that's what I'm going to share on it a little bit, because I've already been feeling almost like to set our hearts for this year of being anticipating what the God is doing, and like I shared before, I almost feel like to do a series, out with the old, in with the new, and so you guys who teach, I want us that to be our focus this year, just to begin, because I think out with the old and in with the new, it's what it means to be a new creation in Christ. What's, what, our, How we love is so different. we got this new operating system, and uh, this operating system is completely different to the old. And it's how we live, how we have identity in Christ, how we love one another, how we relate to one another. And... Um, but this evening, I'm going to talk about the new image that we have in Christ. And, and so it's not just a new operating system, but I've got a new image in Christ Jesus. And uh, yeah, so I, I just, so the title of my message is really uh, projection versus reflection. Um, so if you, if you like to take notes, I know some of you do, but um, projection versus reflection. I mean, we're living in a time where it's all about image and... Uh, Image is important. Image is, doesn't matter if it's fake or if it's photoshopped, it's my image. It's what I want people to see about who I am, what I look like, how perfect my body is. And this is what we call projection, really. Um, And so just as I've been looking at this, um, because let's face it, we don't care really if it's true or not. It's just what we want people to see of us that's sometimes more important for us. And uh, I want st- to challenge all of you this evening. I don't believe this just applies to people like the younger generation. You always like, like um, who's it, Solomon that says, you know, your youth, it's all vanity and vanity. But I believe, in a sense, we all carry that with us, even as we get older. And, um, but yeah, we're living in a day and age where it is about projections, it is about what people perceive of us that counts. But I want to read. Just Romans 12.3, it says, Everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. So just using the language of Paul here, says, I want you to think soberly. Even yeah, it's, it's the New King James. Think soberly. But you would agree with me, we're living in a day and age where people are intoxicated with themselves. Using the language of Paul here. People are intoxicated with self-obsession. This is me. This is how I want people to see. And uh, the thing is, this intoxication, this self-obsession, is actually fueled by social media. It's fueled by Facebook. It's fueled by Instagram, by Pinterest, or TikTok, whatever. Even YouTube, you know, people always present something, oh, "I've got this new great revelation. Let me teach it to whoever watches my YouTube channel," or "I've got this amazing." understanding of what's happening in this country and so you become a news reporter you can be anything on on YouTube you can be anything on Facebook but but it's but it's actually got nothing to do with my personal life it's just something I'm projecting because I want you to see something about the beauty of who I am or what I know and it's all about me it's projections and uh, the the problem with that is you know we, we can see we're so obsessed with ourselves that but actually inwardly you know there's it's probably you know nothing <laughs> or you you don't look you know that, that you've got to do all the photoshop you know you're not perfect and uh that's the thing uh, but you know but even timothy you know when paul writes to timothy he he kind of warns us about the days that we that you and i are in now and he says to him in the last days people will be lovers of themselves and so and then he says they'll be lovers they'll be boastful they'll be proud you know so from that fruit of loving yourself this is what's going to come. And, uh, and so I want to look at that just of just how we appear to others, how we project ourselves to others. And this isn't just your body. This is not just your looks. This can even be in what you want people to perceive of what you do. So let's use an illustration. Uh, Strava. <laughs> who's got Strava here? Come on. I know, you, I know who's got it. Come on. Stick up your hand. Don't worry, I'm not going to beat you. I, 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 I love you. It's amazing. It's good. People use it because it's good. It kind of, it mo- what does it do? Well, he said monitors your, your steps or your cycling kilometers. Am I right? So your heart rate. What else does it do? Um, your, your calories. Come on. Your progress, your progress. So would you agree with me? Stro- yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that. But you would agree with me? It, it makes you more conscious of yourself it does that's now now here I'm, I'm not i'm not beating it i understand why guys have got it well actually i don't because i don't have it <laughs> no i'm joking but 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 it does make us conscious not only conscious of ourselves but it makes you conscious of whoever else is on it hey, am all right you can also see what your friends are doing if you connect so you can see hey, orchid's done 10 kilometers i better do 20 you know you know that kind of thing it can bring a, a co- competitiveness you know, or how many calories has this person had? you know, it just coming to think of it. We need a spiritual Strava. You know, what's what's your feed for the day? You know, what's what's your quiet time like? What's what have you been eating of lately? Or what's your what's your relationship with the Lord? Anyway, how's your heart rate? You know, is it good with the Lord? Is it is it good with people? You know, that kind of actually I think we've got Strava. It's called accountability. Yeah. I think I think we got it. <laughs> And it's free. That's the amazing thing. It's, uh, it's just a question of whether you use it or not. Um, but yeah, it monitors all these things. Um, but what I want to share on is all these things like Strava and social media, it's creating a culture of self-awareness, but not only self-awareness, but a cultural projection. And this is what I want to talk about. We, we project, even how fit we are, we project how good we are, how clever we are how beautiful we are. It's all a projection. But you know the thing with that is uh, there's a word for that. Now, not, the Bible doesn't say projection, but it does use another word, and it's called haughty. Have you heard of that word, haughty? Now, haughty is a little bit different to pride. Pride is what you feel in your heart. You know, I'm good. I'm like, a, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of who I am. That's pride. But haughtiness is something a little bit different. Haughty is, is actually doing something about what I am. And so, haughtiness is actually lifting yourself up. Pride is just what you are in your heart, but haughtiness is what you do in a sense of who you are. And uh, so, I looked up the dictionary. It says, haughtiness is having a sh- and showing an attitude of superiority and contempt for people or things perceived to be inferior, okay? So, that's what haughtiness, that's actually projection in a large way, um, and so we're not called to project ourselves, but we are called to reflect. We're called to reflect Jesus. And there's a difference. And uh, from the beginning, God's heart was to reflect Him. So when, so let's, when, I don't know how this happened. I'd have to talk to the Lord one day. But there came a point in, in a moment in time where the Trinity got together. The Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, they came together and they said, we're going to create man, and he's going to be a resemblance of us. He's going to be – let me go there quickly. Genesis 1, You got that one, right? And it says, and God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have – okay, I'm going to just stop there. So God says, let, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Okay, so man's. I want to represent myself to the world, who I am. And I'm going to do it – I'm going to represent who I am in man that i create unlike the angels unlike the beasts of the you know the world the the animals all of that that is not gonna but i'm gonna create man to represent me in my image just think about that just just take a moment king of the universe the one who created from the one who's been from eternity past till now the trinity the three persons in one come together and they say i want to make man to represent me. I'm going to duplicate who I am in my image and my likeness, and I'm going to make man to look like me. Just think about that. That is, I don't know about you, but that is awesome to <laughs> think God would do that. I mean, He's, he's above everything. Why, why do this? And it, and it says, male and female, He created them. I just want to stop there. This is not just men, ladies. This is you too. You are a representation of God in the image. And so we see God creates man. He creates Adam and is this perfect being, unblemished, and this is God's creation. And Adam was a representation of the glory of God on earth. And he was created in God's likeness. But the problem is here, sin entered the world. Sin came through Adam's sin, you know. It came as he ate of the tree. It corrupted him. It distorted him. It, it actually distorted the image of God at that moment. It corrupted him. It, it uh, disfigured the image of God. And it wasn't just Adam's sin. Like uh, It was actually the very nature of who he was that was disrupted at that moment. You see, think of it. When Adam ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, there came a self-consciousness of who I am. It's all about me. I'm, I'm not like we were singing this evening. You know, it really ties up with this message. We want more of you, less of us. The problem with the eating of the tree had made us more aware of us and less of him. And God's had to send his son for this very reason because not only could we not understand the likeness and the goodness and the righteousness of who he is, he sent his son to, to, to reveal that once again to us because we've lost sight of the image of God. And, uh, and that's why even when, when Jesus uh, was talking to the disciples and, and, he sa- and Philip says to him, uh, Jesus, you know, show us the Father. And John 14, 9, he says, you know, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. He says, I'm here to represent the Father. I'm here in the likeness of the Father. And when you look at me, you're actually looking at the Father too. We won. We, we won in, in everything, in in our nature, we won. Philip, so if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm here to represent Him. The Word, the Bible says, became flesh for you and I. And it's such a beautiful picture that Jesus comes, but He doesn't only just come to, to represent the righteousness of God and to reflect the image of God. He comes and He wants you to be restored back to that place where you bear His image. See, like, to take away our sins isn't just taking away the bad. It's like, it's like, it's like putting in a new man. That's what it is. It's a new operating system, but it's, it's one that serves him. It's one that desires him. It's one that longs after him. And Jesus knew that we couldn't do this. Even if we saw him, it wasn't going to be enough. And so he says to his disciples, listen, in order for you to actually do this, to bear my image properly, I'm going to send you my spirit. And I'm going to send you my spirit, and he's going to enable you so that you can bear my image properly. Notice that he says this to the disciples. He says, wait for me in Jerusalem, and you will be my witnesses. But they had to wait for the Holy Spirit. You know, I believe if they hadn't waited for the Holy Spirit, they would have gone in the flesh, and they would have tried to represent Jesus, and it would have been more of a projection rather than a reflection. It would have been, this is what I think he is, and this is how i my idea of what God looks like and this is him and I think they would have messed up but that's why Jesus said wait for me in Jerusalem because I'm going to clothe you from on high and it's from that place that it's going to be something working inside of you and then begins to permeate begins to express itself in your very nature it's important that we understand this church because I think sometimes we do that sometimes we're premature in things and and we think we know things and we, sometimes we get confused versus projecting something or reflecting Christ. And, uh, and I'm going to just kind of touch on that because I think there is still parts of my nature that, that so desperately wants to project Benny. <laughs> there is. I know. I know the old man in me. And if you say you're not, I'm saying you're a liar. <laughs> there is things that you still sometimes when someone grinds you or irritates you, there's still something of you that wants to let them know that you've got a problem with them or something. That's projection. It does. When you're driving on the road and some taxi pulls in front of you, you want to project, Hey, You don't want to reflect. I've got a conscience that sits next to me in the car, so it, it's very hard. But, but people are always reading us. They're always looking at us. We are witnesses, whether you like it or not. But it's not. It's a question of who you're witnessing. <laughs> are you Jesus's witnesses? Because, like I said, he said to the Holy Spirit, "When the Holy Spirit comes, you will be what? My witnesses." The question is, whose witnesses are you? And uh, people are reading us all the time. They're observing us. They, you know, they're always witnessing. They're, they're reading us like a book. You know, they read our body language. They read our verbal language. They, they, our demeanors, our attitudes. They're looking at everything. Paul says. Uh, Let me look at it. Uh, In 2 Corinthians 3.2, he says, You yourselves are letters of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. It's such a beautiful picture that he gives. So the question is, do people read you by your projection or do they read you by your reflection of Jesus? That's the question. And uh, here's the key to help you discern the difference. You see, you this is my my argument in this is that people can't see jesus through projection because you're in the way okay so you've got to step out of the way we want more of you lord we want what's the other one less of me so in other words in the we've got to kind of step out the way so people can see the reflection of jesus and um I'm just reminded of John the Baptist. What did he say when he was preparing the way for Jesus? He said, What did he say? I must what? Decrease. And he must increase. So, do people see Christ through our reflection? Well, Philippians 2.5 says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied of himself you know if jesus say look paul saying have this mind that is in you jesus who had everything he was so glorious it says that he emptied himself he wasn't trying to grasp something that made him look good he said look i'm going to come and do the will of the father and in this moment i'm going to empty myself however that looked that glory of who he was he still remained god but he became man the bible says and he didn't stop there he became a servant to man and he didn't stop there either. He became a servant even to the point of death because it wasn't about him. It was about what he wanted the Father to do through him. And if that's Jesus and the Bible says I've got to have that mind, that means I know my projections have got to come to an end. I know I've got to lay that thing down constantly. So what is projection? I was looking at the mental health uh, magazine. It's a Mental Health America. and explains this about projection. It says, having a psychological feeling and emotions that are within us. But instead of owning those feelings and emotions, we will instead attribute it to others around us. We will preferably cast it on to them. See, so we've got issues you know, that, that we don't want people to see on us. We'll, we'll put it on those around us. You know, they're not accepting. They are not loving. They don't include me. They do this, they do that. It's all they. And we can live like that sometimes. But there's a cure for that. I want to just help you. Don't worry, it's, it's, there is a cure. And you know what it is? Philippians 2, three. There's a cure to projection. There's a cure to being haughty. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significantly than yourself you see you can't reflect jesus and be self-absorbed at the same time you can't and that's what philippians are saying listen you want to get over haughtiness if you want to get over that thing of just always displaying your glory your glory your glory you know how to do that you think of others more than yourself there's a cure and this is the thing the irony of of projection is that it's so deceptive is that because it's like where's that projector there that's a projector we don't look at the projector when we're watching things eh? Huh? we look at the screen because it's projecting onto the screen and so we like that projector sometimes yeah you know, people we, we don't want people to look at us as if you know we've got issues we want to rather put it there because that's the person to blame and uh, we work like that. it's and the irony of projection is this we build walls around ourselves sometimes of insecurities and then we ask questions like why is no one connecting with me why you know that's what projection does or you know um we hold people at distance or sometimes we say you know the church is just unloving it's uncaring but then what happens is sometimes we leave the church have you ever noticed that that's projection the church doesn't leave you you leave the church I, I want you to grasp this because I, I, I say to Lord when I was wrestling with this, I felt almost like there's a deception that can come over us. I'm not saying people are planning on leaving. I just hear my heart. I just feel that sometimes we get caught up in the small things and we're so easy to project it. And, and God's like saying, I want you to see where it's coming from. It's not coming from here. It's, it's not coming from those, it's within. Projection is, that thing is from within that it's projecting. It's with the images that are in that it's projecting onto that screen. And uh, that's the thing with deception. And uh, you see, we can, and even, let's say, let's say someone leaves the church, and I've had this many times. People have left the church because, you know, they, they'll, they'll, they'll relieve their conscience by saying, well, there's a church down the road got the same worship, the same whatever. It's almost like the church can be a generic relationship. Now, I do believe there's an ecumenical church, which means there's a global church. I do believe that. I do believe that Jesus is going to come back one day and he's going to bring his whole bride together. I do see that. But I also see that there is a local church. I see there is a a local church that God calls us to commit ourselves to, to love. And it's not a generic thing. It's not like a McDonald's down the road and the McDonald's there are going to taste the same. No, this congregation is a representation of him here and now. And he says, this is going to bear an image of what I want it to bear here. And so the, in that, there's a commitment, there's, a, there's giving up of yourself, there's, there's something of what I attri- attribute to as a person, because all of you are different, you all attribute something of the glory of God, and there's something unique that He's doing through us, and it's not a generic thing. Do you, do you get me? There is a thing called the local church, otherwise John wouldn't have written the, the revelation to the seven churches. He should have just wrote one letter and said, listen, this all applies to you. It's a generic thing. It's, this is just to the church. This is to the ecumenical church. But he wrote seven letters to seven churches because they had distinct issues, they had distinct problems, but they also had distinct strengths. And so he recognizes it, but he wants to help them. So here where I'm going, I know I'm sounding a bit passionate, but I almost feel like, yeah, you know, I just feel even in our relationships, it's personal. It's not generic. Let me tell you, it's personal. When Laura and I, when we sit with people and we love them and we care for them and we, we disciple them and it's long hours and, and all these things, it gets personal. It really does. And when people pull out and you just say, well, you know, there's another church down the road, it's hard not to take that um, the, and the, and the what well, This is what I want to actually say in this, because sometimes... I know it's people that aren't in leadership that will say this, you know, it's all the same, it's all generic. It's, but and, and to say to us leaders, listen, don't take it personally when people leave. Can I say this? Paul took it personally when people left. And I'm gonna explain it. 2 Timothy 4. You don't have to go there. I didn't I didn't have the scripture, but go and read 2 Timothy 4. Paul writes a letter to Timothy, and you hear the heart of Paul aching over people that have just left him and he says this he talks about this guy by the name of Demas and Alexander the coppersmith and he says these you know these guys have abandoned me notice that he says verse 16 but and then he says but they have all deserted me and there's a heartfelt letter that Paul writes and he doesn't say they've left the church as if Paul separated from it he says they've left me I want to say when people leave, they don't just leave Josh, Jen, George, PM. I'm not saying people have left. (laughs) But I'm trying to make a point here is that when people do leave, it rips our hearts because we built, we've covenanted, we've had relationships. And so it's so important that we understand that, that when we build together, I'm building with you as a person you're unique. God loves you. We've been talking about the love of God. You know that, That's something unique that he's placed on every single one of us. The Bible says you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared in advance that you should walk in them. And it's different to what that person walks in. And that person, he's got a unique gift and anointing on every single one of us. So don't tell me the church is generic. <laughs> don't tell me it's all one big happy family that's all going to come in its own. Jesus is going to judge us according to our works and our love for him and our passion for him. How we're building together in unity is so important. So my question is, are you projecting? Because projection is denial, really, at times. It's hiding the sin. But it's not only hiding sin, it's hiding the sin nature. This is what makes deception, uh, sorry, projection a deception. <laughs> it's that it doesn't just hide our sins, it hides the sin nature. Because let's face it, um, we all want to protect our egos it's just who we are we, we protect our ego but the thing is when we begin born again it's actually got to die to self so your ego has to die no more ego we shouldn't have an ego and so we have to die and it's actually the opposite you know haughtiness is actually the opposite of that hey? it's lifting yourself up it's being recognized being seen where god says no you just got to die this this is how, this is how I do it, this is what the kingdom's about, and you know, we all know where projection started, hey, it started at the garden of Eden, okay, when Adam ate of the tree, it was actually Eve, and then, uh, and then she gave it to her husband, but what did Adam do? He projected, so God goes to Adam, he says, listen, uh, have you eaten of the tree, and Adam says, no, it's Eve, projection, in fact, Lord, it's not only Eve, it's, it's you, you you created this woman. I didn't, I've got nothing to do with it. I mean, I went to bed single, woke up married, and I didn't even get to choose who the wife is. You did. So it's between you and her, just talk about it. It's, I think, you know, he didn't. God, that's projection. And then he goes to Eve and Eve says, what? No, it's the snake, projection. And then we all know the joke, the snake had no leg to stand on. <laughs> it's getting old now, it's getting... <laughs> But you know, the thing is, we don't take ownership. The projection is not taking ownership. Um, because there's an inability in us, and there's inadequacies in us that we like to cover up. And like Adam and Eve, they projected, but not only did they project, they covered up. The fig leaves came. And God saw this. Look, you're going to live a life of just covered, I better come and do something. And so God represents um, what redemption is going to look like and so he brings a sacrifice and they use that and they put animal skins on them and all the rest but that was pointing to one day that jesus would be their cover that he would take away their sins and so he has a few points to to know whether you projection projecting or, or whether you're a reflector i'm just going to name five five things i want to say about projections okay, are you guys still with me are you okay he has a few points on When we project, and I'm not going to say you, I know I do this, okay? I'm guilty too. You overreact. Hey, wives. (laughs) That's you, Umpo. We blame people. That's projection. My wife will say, I'm quite good with this one. Where's my car keys? Who had them? (laughs) Living a distorted reality. and playing victim that's just some of them we play victim but you see jesus came to rescue us from more than just our sin he came to rescue us from the nature of sin and he's he's like i'm the light i want you to live in the light i want you to be a people that reflect my image no longer do you have to project your insecurities your problems i want you to reflect me and i want to quickly turn to one john one verses 5 to 10. And I think this kind of sums up to me the difference between projection and reflection. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with, listen to this, with one another So notice how closely linked my relationship is with the Lord as it is with you. And the blood of Jesus, because we have relationship with one another, now this is the result, this is the consequences of this and this with the Lord, this is the consequences, and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all our sin. Now then it says, if we say we have no sin, Now, here, when he says, when we say we have no sin, he's talking about the sin nature. He's not talking about just what you do. He's talking about the very nature that makes you sin, the thing that pulls you to sin. If you say that you have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, okay, the actions too. So it's not only... the sin nature, but it's the sins. We make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Now, when it says God is light, I don't just believe that's a metaphorical word. I believe that's literally God is light. I believe that's got a literal meaning to it. And why do I say that? Because, you know, the Bible talks in Revelations, and talks about the radiance of the glory of God that will be displayed. It says we won't have need of the sun or the moon. I believe that's a literal thing the sun and the moon is literal. It's not figuratively. And God says, you know, one day when we come with him, there's going to be a literal sense of his glory. Now, I was reading a commentary by David Pawson, and I just want to kind of bring this in, talking about reflection and projection. He, he makes note of something I found very interesting. He talks about Revelations 21:19, where he talks about the radiance of the glory of God is known. And he makes a point um, when he shares about, so if you, if you read Revelation, it talks about at the city, there's 12 gates. And each gate is a representation of the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, And each gate is uh, not only representing the t- tribe, but it represents a jewel, a gem. Okay, uh, I just want to p- explain something here to you because I want to kind of bring it into what I'm sharing. So David Pawson makes... Point. And the point that he wants to make is you know, this really shows that God wrote the Bible wasn't man because he makes a point that um, the jewels that are used in revelations are what we call an art what's it a- a- an isotropic jewels you get what the, so there's only 28 jewels that you get some are isotropic and some are anisotropic okay this is not my wisdom this is David Paulson that was just commentary so i 'm just Sharing what he's sharing, and he says this. You know, he says it's interesting because only through modern technology now, where they're ab- actually able to microscopically cut a gem, okay, that's so thin, and now with with the ability to 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 sh- to shine a light like a laser light, which is what they call a polarized light, through this gem, okay, and he says when you do that, you can actually distinguish between. Isotropic jewels and anisotropic jewels. Now, this is very interesting because David Pawson says, you know, John wrote this letter, what, 2,000 years ago. How did he know? They didn't have the technology then to distinguish what's isotropic and anisotropic. All the jewels that are mentioned in heaven at those gates are anisotropic, which means they are, are, are jewels that shine a radiant light under this intense light. And then he says this, you know, um, it, it really reflects that, you know, only God could know this. But the point I want to make is this, you know, because one of the things David Pawson also says, he says, but when you shine that light, maybe just put up that, that slide for me, Renee. So I'll put it up there so you can just visualize the first part of that slide. So those are the 12 stones that this is how they look under the radiance of this intense light. Now, before we show the other one, now you would think, well, you know, diamonds aren't on there. You and I think, well, you know, I mean, diamonds are beautiful. But notice this. Now show the next slide. That's what a diamond looks like under that light. Now the point I want to make is a diamond can look like a piece of coal under that light. It doesn't have a glory. It doesn't have a shine and a beauty of the color that the other gems do. And the point I want to make, you know, sometimes what we view here on earth is precious. Some of the things that we look at and we think, you know, this really is something glorious. Can I say, under the light of the glory of God, it pales in the sight. And I feel God is calling us to be a people that don't look at the world's way of what's beautiful. So ladies, I don't think diamonds are that such a big thing. Okay, I'm just trying to relieve the, the future husbands one day. Get them a gem, man. That's that's going to be forever and under intense light it's beautiful but I, I almost feel like some of us have looked to the world and we think you know I'm just I'm just not a representation of God I don't reflect him you know because our standards are here our standards are under the light that we have can I say this light is nothing this light cannot produce something of that glory and I feel some of us are bowed under pressures of what's beautiful, what things look like on the outward. But I want to say tonight, God shines a light that cuts deep into every heart. But when we come to that place and we allow Him and His glory to reflect what's in us, to bring it out and say, God, if there's things in your life that just need to be exposed, that He can deal with it. He wants to. Because what God is focused on is the eternal things. It's not on the temporal things. The things here are going to perish and everything with it. But you and I are here to reflect the glory of Jesus. And like that beautiful light that shines on those things, let me tell you, Jesus is coming but one day and he's going to reflect the glory of God. The question is, are you and I going to reflect it back when he comes? The Bible says when he does come, we will be like him. I want to be like Jesus when he comes in the fullness of who he is. I don't want, I, I want to just, God, I know there's lots you've got to change, but man, I don't want to. I don't want the world's impression of what's beautiful. Because the world's only looking through the light of something that's minimal. Actually, the world's light is actually darkness, the Bible says. And so just in response to that this evening, I I want us to come to the Lord. I first want to maybe just... There might be someone here who hasn't given their life to Jesus... And you've looked at the world as kind of your, almost like your role model. Now this is glorious, this is glorious, this is glorious. And I say, Jesus is coming back one day. And the Bible says he's going to have eyes like fire. And I want to say it's going to pierce every heart, every nook and cranny in your heart, every deep cavity. And he's going to shine through all of those things. And he's going to see the real you. And the question is, have you given your life to him? Have you... Have you committed your life to him because none of us here are perfect i want to say this a christian and a non-christian the only difference isn't not that one's perfect the ones is is perfect the one isn't the only difference is the one has jesus and the other one doesn't the other one has received jesus as lord and he comes and resides in you and he lives a life now like paul says it's no longer me that's living because i know i live a deceitful life. i know the world has a pull on me but now as I die to my flesh, I die to those things, and I allow the life of Christ to reign in me, and I give Him access. And there's moments that, in that moment that you, you know, this is the beautiful thing, that we can come before the Lord repentant all the time. We can have a life of just repent, repent, and he's, the Bible says He's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. And it doesn't matter what it is, He will forgive you. I can guarantee you, when you come to Him truly with an open heart, He will forgive you. And so let's just close our eyes for a moment. Now I'm going to ask that everybody just pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, won't you come into my heart and be my personal Savior and be my Lord. Lord Jesus, I want to die to my old self. I want you to come and take reign in my life. I want you to be king. I want you to be Lord. I want you to come and live inside of me. And I want you to rule and reign. I'm going to stop there. Now some of you sitting here might not have, this might be the first time you've said that prayer. Now just take a moment, while every eye is closed, if this is the first time, and you mean it, and this is the first time that you have received him as Lord, I want to ask that you put up your hand. Don't hold back. We've all had to make a moment in our lives, a decision to do this. See anybody here? Thank you, Jesus. We won't, we'll wait a little bit. The biggest step that we can make is this one because this step has got to do with eternity it's being with him forever and ever the king of kings and the lord of lords then the rest of us might be some of you sitting here that you know you've gotten in the way of his glory you know at times that you projected things that are just really you and not him but i feel in that that we respond to him this evening that we come repentance. but like i've been sharing with that scripture jesus didn't just come and take away our sins he came to try and re- to restore us from the very nature of that sin that pulls us away from him that he is light But you know the the amazing thing in that scripture is, is we just come before him and confess that to him. There's strongholds in some of us. But you know I believe today God can release us from those strongholds. It's not just the sins. It's the nature of the pull of those sins that Jesus wants to free us from. You know Jesus didn't just come and take away the condemnation of sin. He came to take away the power of sin. And all of us. A called to reflect him. And so if there's you here this evening, I want us to just respond to him this evening. If you feel that you at times are like that diamond, you look beautiful on the outside, there's just such an adoring, adorning appearance, but yet under the light of Jesus, I know I'm a lump of coal. There's things in my life that just doesn't represent him well. If that's you this evening, I want you to stand before him. Not before me. I'm, not, I'm just a man. I can't see your heart. But stand before him now. The Bible says that even that we can confess our sins one to another. We can confess those blemishes that were within us, that hold us back. And I think when you do that, I know when you do that, God comes and he sets us free from the power of those things have on us. But it's going to take faith in you. It's going to take a decision and I want you to just meditate for a moment. There might be some more people here. I don't just believe there's two. I believe there's so many of us that, that sit with things that just hold us back. Come, Lord. I just want to wait a moment. If you were a letter on that book that Paul wrote, and he says you're a living letter read by all if people were to read the pages of your life what would they read come Jesus thank you Father oh Lord we want more of you Jesus as we've been singing that song can I ask the worship team maybe just come and sing that but just while they coming up think in this moment of responding to the lord i want to ask just in that response to him as we sing this song we want more of you i want you to think about those very things that hold you back those very things that project image of yourself, to actually bring it to the cross this evening. It's at the cross where that thing dies. It's at the cross where it's put on the altar, that God can deal with it. And so, Lord, I want to pray even this evening as people have just made a decision just to bring this before you. Lord, you don't take this lightly. And Lord, you want to deal with sin in our lives. And you want to deal with the nature of that sin. And Jesus, I want to pray that as we just come before you in worship, won't you come and just, first of all, just reveal yourself to us. That we can see you. That we can see the glory of who you are, Jesus. That we can allow the light of that glory to shine in our hearts. And Lord, we know that when we faith, when we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us. Lord, when we see your kindness, it leads us to that place where we know we can repent before you. And so Lord, I know you're gentle. Lord, you're a delicate God. You know there's things in our lives that don't match up to the glory of who you are but yet lord you don't come with a, a stick and smack us but you actually come and you you love on us and you you draw us closer and closer and yes there's moments where you've got to convict us there's moments where you've got to compel us to put those things down but lord you do it in such a way that's so glorious you do it in such a way that's it doesn't take away the dignity of who we are jesus and Lord, I want to pray for 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 those standing now. Won't you come and just remove that right now, Jesus? Let them begin to reflect the image that's grown dim of you. Let them begin to reflect the glory of you, Jesus. Let's sing that song again. Let me do that, Stephen. Serve us, Lord, and we want more
1: you Your spirit in us Jesus Nothing else will do in every day we need you We want nothing else than your living water coming from this way we want less of us Lord.